the difference between a pressure headache and a tension headache? If not, this is definitely the podcast to listen to because in this podcast, we go over the two main types of headaches and what you can do to get rid of them. Thanks for listening. I'm Nichelle Thompson. Welcome to Everything is About Your Health, the podcast. I believe one of the most important things you can do for yourself is to be open-minded to learn. To learn about different professions out there in the world that links to your health, either directly and indirectly. For instance, I operate a manual osteopathy and cold laser clinic in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. For those not familiar with manual osteopathy, it takes a holistic, whole-body approach to healthcare. It uses manual, hands-on techniques to improve all aspects of the body, including the skeleton, joints, muscles, nerves, circulation, connective tissue, as well as organs. Internal functions like metabolism, respiration, and reproduction can also be improved without the use of drugs. Here at Heat Therapy, Holistically Elite Active Therapy, we utilize BioFlex cold laser units to help accelerate healing on a cellular level. It is a light-based technology proven to be highly effective in the treatment of musculoskeletal problems and wound healing. We have had many success stories with this technology. People have avoided surgeries, reduced and eliminated medication, and reduced or eliminated all sorts of pain. So please, join us on this journey as we interview all sorts of professions and how they link to your health, either directly and indirectly. Do you want to know why you have headaches? First of all, it's important to note that headaches are different from one to another. So for instance, there's a difference between a pressure headache and a tension headache. So this is a really easy test that I do with my clients that you can do with yourself, or maybe you would even know from, you know, dressing yourself in the morning, etc., etc. But if the pressure inside of your head that you feel with your headache increases, you know, when you're putting on your socks, you're bending over to tie your shoe, or you're bending over to pick up something you dropped, whatever, whenever your head is down lower than your torso, and you feel that pressure inside your head build, that means you have a pressure headache, or what osteopaths and many osteopaths like to call an intracranial pressure headache. But if that doesn't fit the bill for you and you said, you know what, I can do this all day. I don't feel any worsening symptoms of my headache when I'm in this position. Well, then you most likely have what's called a tensioned headache. And a tension headache is trigger point referral pain patterns that are created from trigger points, so muscle knots, that are in the musculature around the neck, so that could be your traps, your sternocleidomastoid muscles, the suboccipital muscles, those are kind of like the biggest ones that can give you some symptoms of that. And typically, that is what will refer to certain and specific areas of the head, so you know, like behind the eye or eyes, up in the forehead, or kind of like wrapping around the ear in this question mark sort of pattern, uh, pressure and tension at the base of the skull. Those are examples of common areas people feel their tension headaches. So now let's branch off onto intracranial pressure headaches first and what is that caused from and 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 whatever so 
essentially, we have a fluid inside our skull. And if you've listened to my podcast before in the past, you would know that this fluid inside the skull is called cerebral spinal fluid. And this fluid actually has a very important job because it gives buoyancy to the brain, it gives protection of the brain, it allows the brain to actually float, it gives it nutrients, and essentially this fluid goes um, around the spinal cord as well. So this fluid, cerebral spinal fluid, has to be pumped up and down the spine into the head, down the spine, up into the head, down the spine, up to the head, depending on the person, about six times per day. Okay, and how this mechanism works is through cranial sacral rhythm. So cranial being the cranium, the head, the skull, and sacral being the tailbone, the sacrum, cranial sacral rhythm. So what actually happens and what a lot of people are just mesmerized to even believe is the skull bones and the rest of the body for that matter, the skull bones, the spine, the tailbone, they actually have their own movement pattern that is innate. So it's very similar to breathing. You know, we don't have to think to breathe or, or you shouldn't. Um, you know, it should be a very natural sort of instinct, right? So you breathe in and out, you're getting that nice kind of filling of your belly, or you should be, your lungs expand, your rib cage expands, and then because of the pressure difference from the outside world and in your lungs, you just naturally exhale very easily. Okay, so now that very natural, calm, fluid movement that happens with your breathing is basically what happens when your skull and your spine and your tailbone move in that rhythmical cranial sacral rhythm pattern, which acts as a pump mechanism that gets the fluid inside your skull, down the spinal cord and back up again, down the spinal cord and back up. So if you have intracranial pressure, where do you think that comes from, right? Intracranial pressure. Well, it's created because there is an excess built buildup of fluid, of cerebral spinal fluid, inside the skull. And that could be caused from a number of different reasons, right? Because we just established that could be dysfunction in the cranium, even um, in the spine as well, or in the tailbone. Um, and there could even be such muscle tension really at the end of the day that that does affect the movement of the cranial bones as well. But just real simply put, if you had an impact to the head, whether that be a sport injury or you had a bad fall, you had a bad whatever impact to your head or you had quite a bad fall on your tailbone or there was some sort of spinal injury that you had etc 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 well this impacts how the bones move because it will subtly change the shape of the skull and how the skull itself moves so if you think the skull has this nice opening and closing and opening and closing, very much like a jellyfish sort of floats through the water, you can think of that sort of movement. If that's impacted because you just got a 
puck to the head or a punch to the face or a bad fall on the tailbone and that's now because of the inflammation that was created with that and now the scar tissue that developed as a consequence to that inflammation um, and that's affecting the joints of the skull and therefore because they're not as elastic as they were you now have excess movement on one part of your skull not enough movement on one part and at the end of the day what I'm trying to say is because the skull isn't moving adequately now all of a sudden you have a built up of pressure in your head because the pump wasn't acting efficiently so now that means even though you have a 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0.1% buildup every day, well, next thing you know, it adds up and adds up and adds up and adds up and adds up to the point that all of a sudden you start to notice headaches start to develop, um, you know, throughout the day. You start to notice pressure increase when you put on your socks or tie your shoes or pick up a pen that you just dropped off the floor or you know you wake up with headaches in the morning because think about it, the position you're laying down right you're laying down flat most of us and now all of a sudden you don't have gravity helping you the same anymore and now since your skull and the rest of your spine and the sacrum aren't acting effectively to get that fluid outside of your skull at the amount that it should you start to have that build up and then then next thing you know that gives rise to that headache. So Nichelle, that's great and everything. You may be thinking, but okay, so what's the solution to that? Well, there's other there's methods of treatment that you can seek out with therapists. So I myself, I'm a manual osteopath, we specialize in cranial sacral therapy, but there's also specific cranial sacral therapists that do exist, sometimes even your practitioners, such as your massage therapist or even your physiotherapist, sometimes chiropractors as well, depends on their education uh, background and how much time they spend with their clients. But some of these um, therapists are also able to practice cranial sacral therapy, not just therapy, not just manual osteopaths. So that's just something to, to keep in mind. So now if we move on to tension headaches and what that is commonly caused by. Well, there's three main categories that I observe and see on a regular basis. So the first one being there's a lack of movement somewhere in the upper extremity area so that's like the neck the jaw the shoulder somewhere up and through there or even the upper back really there is a movement problem in the actual joints itself that is causing the muscles to have to work over time work way harder than they should and because of that the muscles are in hypertone it's called hypertonicity they develop trigger points um, they're too overactive and because of this they create trigger points and that can sometimes lead to what's known as active trigger points is this and that's when you get this referral pain uh, that oftentimes people feel as headaches at different points in their head. So what are the other possible causes in a shell? Because that one seems like that would be the only thing, right? But no, there's actually also postural things. And now I want to be very clear about something because overall, to hold a certain posture and a position, 
is not bad, like they say. But what is bad about posture, if you hold a certain position for long periods of time and repetitive. So, for instance, you were an administrative assistant for 30 years of your life and you sat all the time and didn't have the best posture to boot so you were slouched on top of that and because of this 30 years of being in that same position and that repetitive day in and day out positioning your body has now become accustomed to that and now instead of your muscles being at the length that they should you have some muscles that are too shortened you have some muscles that are too lengthened You have some muscles that just completely forgot how to even turn on or work how they should because your body learned how to compensate in that particular position that it found itself in day in and day out for multiple years. So you wonder then, okay, so what is the solution to this for something that may seem permanent? Well, If you got yourself into that situation, you can, to a certain extent, get yourself out of that situation. You just have to understand that if it took you 30 years to get there, it isn't going to take you two days to get out, right? You can't walk 10 miles into the woods and expect to get out in five. I think I should make that my slogan because I feel I say that very quote more than any other quote (laughs) that I say on this podcast. So... And you know, it's the reason why I say it is just because it's a very um, aha type of saying when I say this to people, right? It's very human nature to say, you know, I want to fix now. I want to just take this magic pill and be fixed now. Everything's now, 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 now. But you have to understand it's a good thing that things don't happen now in an instant because if that was the case, you know, we would eat one piece of cake and be completely, you know, overweight, diabetes, heart problems, this and that. If we spent one day not exercising or moving our bodies, we'd become flabby, our muscles would completely, um, you know... Def- uh, atrophy is a proper medical term and you know the list can go on right so you almost have to take it as you have to be grateful that your body even adapts to changing circumstances in the first place because without that ability for it to adapt then you wouldn't be able to improve so you got yourself into the situation that you are now, but you can also get yourself out of it with the right guidance. And unfortunately, there's no magic pill. There's no, you know, single day program or single exercise you can do when it comes to issues related with posture. It's day in and day out trying to catch yourself trying to create new habits and trying to get into a better healthier routine that your body will adapt to that will then realign your body how it should after a while okay and then there's that very last one that is kind of a little bit of a mix of everything because now this is when we're getting into the connection from your brain to your muscles 
And this is what is called a neuromuscular connection. Okay, so this is actually your brain sending out the signals in, so sending out the signals in general, first off. And second, sending off the proper amount of signals so that, you know, you just simply, you know, reach to tie your hair up into a ponytail or reach to grab a glass out of the top cupboard, but you're not all of a sudden reaching to try to reach the roof or you're not, you know, reaching, you know, what I'm trying to say is it's not an exaggerated or under exaggerated movement. It has to be the around amount of stimulus to get to the exact range of motion and to the exact height that you want. And then the other thing is, does it send the signals to the muscles in the right order? Because believe it or not, there is actually specific muscles that should act together and this is what's known as a power couple so it's because two muscles contract simultaneously that they're able to in a sense cancel out their individual um, movements so that they create a peer movement of say the neck or the shoulder blade um, the shoulder itself etc etc so now if you can barely move your shoulder because your trap muscle is way too active, but that's because you haven't really been utilizing your body. So now there's certain muscles that are atrophying. So you actually need a strengthening program as well. And you need to stretch the muscles that are tight and you need to work on the activation and firing and learn how to actually um, fire muscles when you should. The list goes on and on and on. And at that point, you know, self-treatment for releasing therapies there's a, a next to my youtube channel there's lots of you know youtube videos and other therapists that have and released a lot of exceptional and great content out there that will show you how to release different muscles with tennis balls or this or that but you just have to keep in mind that oftentimes the muscle that feels tight is actually the muscle that is lengthened so if you release a muscle that's lengthened well you you released nothing really you just the muscle feels tight because it's lengthened so it's trying to pull your head back or it's trying to pull your shoulder blade into the proper position or it's trying to um you know overpower the other muscle the pec muscle say for example in the front that's commonly really tight because a lot of us just do desk work all day or really closed off into the slouched position well that shortens your pec muscles and your shoulder muscles in the front but lengthens everything in the back and oftentimes people complain about the tightness they feel in between their shoulder blades huh well why do you think that is well that's because again these poor muscles that are back there are constantly lengthened so they're firing trying to get your shoulder blades back into proper alignment so that they can return to their natural length and because they're constantly screaming, hey, we have to close this here. We have to, you know, get the shoulder blades into the right alignment. Something's going on. They're constantly nagging, nagging, nagging. And now you're under the impression that those muscles are tight when really in actuality, you need to stretch your pecs in the front or, or et cetera, et cetera. And all these little details that sometimes are huge huge, huge, make huge, huge differences in a person's success when they're recovering from headaches. Because truth be told, 
<laughs> and I'm sure it's not a surprise to you, we are not just a headache or we are not just a certain injury, right? We are a full person. We have an entire body. And with that being said, we have to respect that a headache could just be a warning sign for something else going on. And now this is just from a clinical perspective of a day in the life of a manual osteopath of what I see commonly that causes headaches. Now, I just said there's two main types of headaches, a pressure headache as well as a tension headache, but you have to realize that there are multiple different causes of headaches, some of which do need further medical attention, such as a doctor, CT CT scans, um, etc., etc., to see if there's any other things going on, especially if you have been getting treatment from other therapists and there's nothing that seems to resolve it, or your pain is actually incredibly intense. It's, uh, you know, it's like a nine out of 10, that sort of thing. That those types of headaches could be anything at that point and if I had x-ray vision I would be able to help you with that but because I don't best to leave that diagnosis to an actual x-ray or some type of actual imaging so I hope that podcast helped you guys differentiate the difference between headaches and what are the most common headaches out there especially if you see a therapist for headaches you, you can even ask them too, like, what type of headache do I actually have? Do I have an intracranial pressure headache or do I have a tension headache? Um, and, you know, there should be appropriate diagnostic tests that they perform to differentiate what type of headache you have. Because depending on what type of headache you have, you actually would treat it differently. As you just noted, right? If someone came in with an intracranial pressure headache, well, I'm going to be doing some cranial sacral therapy work. I'm going to be realigning um, some, you know, bone structure in the spine, making sure all the joints are moving properly, et cetera, et cetera, so that the uh, sacrocranial rhythm or cranial sacral rhythm rather can just be efficient and as smooth as possible. But if I do my tests and we deem that, wow, you don't have intracranial pressure at all, you have um, a tension headache most likely and we do a bunch of like different releasing techniques of muscles that need releasing. We do some strengthening work of muscles that need strengthening because they're too lengthened and we do some uh, balancing work, some firing pattern work. Um, the list can go on and on depending on what you need. But that is essentially the approach that needs to be considered because if you go anywhere, generally the rule of thumb is if you've had three treatments and you don't notice any improvements or changes at all, you definitely have to consider that there may be something else going on or you could always try a different form of therapy because what works for someone may not work for you. So you have to keep trying different therapists and and, and different clinics and therapies until you find what works for you thanks for listening as always i leave my email in the comment or in the uh, description below so if you have any questions don't be afraid to email me and that's a wrap for this episode thank you for tuning in and listening don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast if you found it to be educational and know someone who would benefit this is nichelle thompson on Everything is about your health, the podcast.